0: Well, good morning. I'm pleased to be here today with Nate Horner, our President of Treasury Board and Minister of Finance, and by Jim Dinning, our Chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Engagement Panel. In the fall of 2019, Alberta's government launched the Fair Deal Panel to Advance Alberta's Economic Interests and look at ways that Alberta could achieve a fair deal in Confederation. One of the items the panel considered and discussed with Albertans through a series of town halls was an Alberta pension plan, Was it possible that Albertans could receive better pension benefits by contributing to a made-in-Alberta pension plan, and if so, what would that look like? Well, today we want to update you on our work in exploring this opportunity. In 2020, Alberta's government commissioned LifeWorks, an independent third-party expert consultant, to examine the potential of an Alberta pension plan and identify what it could mean for Albertans. LifeWorks' report shows that creating our own pension plan could benefit all Albertans, According to their analysis, an Alberta pension plan could increase benefits for seniors, reduce premiums for workers, and protect the pension interests and benefits of all Albertans. The LifeWorks analysis estimates that Albertans could save more than $5 billion in the first year alone if we moved from the CPP to an Alberta pension plan. That's because hardworking Albertans have paid much more into the CPP than Alberta seniors get back in pension benefits. What is $5 billion in savings? mean for Albertans? Well, there are a few potential scenarios. $5 billion could mean more money for seniors who could see larger monthly pension benefits. Seniors might even receive a $5,000 to $10,000 bonus payment when they retire if that's how Albertans want to design the pension. There's more money for their household at a critical time. $5 billion could mean larger paychecks for employees. If we put the entire amount towards reducing premiums, Alberta's workers would pay $1,425 less in annual premiums to an Alberta pension plan than they do right now in CPP premiums. Even a portion of that would be a major affordability boost for families struggling to buy groceries and pay for other priorities. And because employers match the CPP premiums their employees pay, it would also mean savings for our businesses and less of their earnings being sent to Ottawa. That's annual savings of $1,425 per year per worker could be invested back in the company or used to hire more workers, strengthening the Alberta advantage. Another important benefit of an Alberta pension plan is it would be more stable than the current federal plan. With a potential transfer of over $300 billion in assets from the CPP, an Alberta pension plan would be able to deliver benefits over the long term at a lower cost than the CPP. This is possible because Alberta's younger demographic and strong labor force. According to the analysis, an Alberta pension plan would have a much bigger pool of assets compared to its number of retirees. And that means great pension security for Albertans. With an Alberta pension plan, Albertans would not only have more money in their pockets, that money would be portable. So employees would be able to move and work throughout other provinces and territories without disrupting their benefits, just as it is with Quebec's provincial pension plan. Alberta's government would work with our partners in the Quebec pension plan and the CPP so that whether you live in Alberta or move across the country, you would still receive your pension benefits with no disruption or decrease. The reality is, since the inception of the CPP, Albertans have been paying much more into it than they've gotten back during that same time. About $60 billion more. And with compound interest, our share has grown to $334 billion, which is about $75,000 per Albertan. It's not insignificant. Alberta is the economic engine of Canada. And our young population, our nation-leading employment rate, and higher pensionable earnings means that we're providing an outsized contribution to CPP. And as our population continues to grow, so do the number of Albertans contributing to a pension plan. As more people see Alberta as a desirable place to find a job and raise a family, an Alberta pension plan would become even more secure from having more workers contributing to the plan. Alberta's prosperity has been made possible by the hard work and pro-growth policies of our government. We already subsidize many federal programs because of our productivity, but we can choose to have our pension contributions stay in Alberta to ensure it's there when we retire. I believe that an Alberta pension plan would be fairer and could make life more affordable for all Albertans. It could bring more benefits for seniors, higher take-home pay for workers, and strengthen the Alberta advantage to attract business. I believe it's the right decision for our province. But I also believe in making sure that every Albertan has their say. We want to hear what you believe. It's your pension. So it's your choice. As we have always said, we won't make any decisions on establishing an Alberta pension plan until Albertans have their say. Now that we have this report with the most up-to-date numbers, we're turning the discussion over to Albertans and a panel led by former finance minister Jim Dinning. We want to hear your thoughts and concerns through this panel. And if we hear that Albertans are interested and supportive of taking next steps, we will work toward proving, uh, providing you with the opportunity to choose an Alberta pension plan in a referendum. I will now turn it over to Minister Nate Horner to provide more details on the analysis and upcoming engagement.
1: Good morning. And uh, Thank you, Premier. Today we're releasing the results of the much-anticipated independent report on a potential Alberta pension plan. As Premier stated, we started this journey back in 2020 when we accepted the recommendation from the Fair Deal panel to review and consider a potential Alberta pension plan, or APP. We owe it to Albertans to explore how an APP would affect them, As a first step, we contracted LifeWorks, formerly Morneau Chappelle, an independent consultant and a recognized leader in pension and benefits administration and actuarial analysis. LifeWorks did a deep dive into the costs, benefits, and structure of a potential Alberta pension plan. After doing an initial review, LifeWorks ran the numbers again after updated statistics from the chief actuarial officer were released an analysis of the CPP were released at the end of 2022. This was key to ensure the report was based on the most up-to-date, accurate information possible. Their final report shows that an APP could mean tremendous cost savings each year for Albertans and employers, while providing at least the same, if not better, benefits as the Canada Pension Plan. The CPP has benefited from our young working population, our higher employment rates, and higher pensionable earnings. Because of this decades-long, outsized contribution by Albertans to the CPP, the report shows that Alberta's share of the CPP would be worth $334 billion by 2027. With that large asset transferred to Alberta, an APP could keep contributions in Alberta for Albertans. Right now, under the CPP, the contribution rate for base benefits is 9.9% of pensionable earnings, evenly split between employees and employers. In comparison, the report calculates that an APP contribution rate to provide the same level of benefits would be in the ballpark of only 5.9%. That's up to $1,425 back into the pockets of each Alberta employee and employer every year in lower contribution rates. Those who are self-employed would save double of that, or $2,850 per year. We could also use a portion of those savings to improve pension benefits here at home so that seniors can better plan for retirement on reduced income. The report also shows that benefits for Albertans could be more secure under an Alberta pension plan than under the CPP. With $334 billion in assets, an APP could have a large financial backstop to cover any benefit payments for decades, providing significantly more security than the federal pension plan. Of course, launching an APP would come with significant setup and transition costs, as well as ongoing operating expenses. The report estimates that an APP could cost up to $2.2 billion to set up. This number will depend on whether Alberta were to use existing service providers, which would lower the cost, or new service providers, which would mean higher costs. The report deliberately doesn't make a recommendation on which approach would work best for Albertans. More research needs to be done on this to explore all the options. But let's put these estimated costs into perspective. An APP could cost up to $2.2 billion to set up, but it has the potential to save Albertans $5 billion in the first year if implemented. We know that you'll have a lot of questions about a potential Alberta pension plan, questions about portability, governance structure, and who would make investment decisions to keep an APP sustainable, stable, and as safe as the CPP. The release of this report is just the first step in our commitment to engage with Albertans on all their questions. I want to stress that an APP would have to guarantee your benefits. The Canada Pension Plan Act dictates that in order to qualify for withdrawal from the CPP, a provincial plan must provide at least the same level of benefits to its citizens as the CPP. We wouldn't move forward with an Alberta pension plan unless it benefited every Albertan and brought long-term security that Albertans need and deserve. And we wouldn't move forward without your explicit approval. We will be introducing new pension protection legislation this fall that, if passed, would provide Albertans several guarantees. One, we guarantee we won't launch an APP unless Albertans vote in favour of it in a referendum. Two, we promise an APP would provide the same or better benefits to Albertans. Three, we won't launch an APP unless it means the same or lower contribution rates than the CPP. And finally, we guarantee that all the funds owed to Alberta from the CPP would be used only to set up and operate an Alberta pension plan that protects the interests and benefits of all Albertans. You earned your pension, and you deserve financial security if an APP moves forward. Albertans come first, now and always. In addition to the release of the report, Alberta's government is launching an engagement panel, led by Honourable Jim Dinning. The engagement panel will consult with Albertans, providing opportunities for Albertans to ask their questions, raise their concerns, and provide their thoughts on a potential APP. Over the coming months, the panel will host a series of telephone town halls, and we will launch a public survey to collect your feedback. Again, the release of the report is only the first step towards considering a provincial pension plan. The Alberta government will not switch to an APP unless Albertans have their say on whether or not an APP is right for them. We've committed to Albertans that they will have the most accurate information at hand when making a decision. Alberta's government will continue to act in good faith. We will also continue to make strong fiscal choices so that every Albertan can participate in Alberta's economic momentum. The next steps are up to you because it's your pension, your retirement, and your future. I take this engagement very seriously and look forward to the panel's findings. I will turn it over to Jim to provide more details on the panel's next steps. Thank you all.
2: Thank you, Minister, Madam Premier. Standing in this room 26 years later brings back some memories, even a few nightmares. (laughs) But here I am. Let me begin first by uh, commending you, Premier, and uh, you, Minister, and your colleagues, for striking this independent panel to engage with Albertans. It is, uh, it's an honour to serve as the panel chair. I find the idea of an Alberta pension plan an intriguing opportunity for Albertans, and I know a decision on a public policy issue of this magnitude should only be made after plenty of rinsing and soaking and discussion and debate among Albertans. Most big ideas deserve at least that. The job of our panel is straightforward. We ask Albertans to read the report, look at the facts, participate in the discussions, and then tell us what they think, what individual Albertans think. About the Alberta Pension Plan and the options that we will consider. It's not simple. Uh, a big uh, issue like this never is simple. We expect our conversations will be complex and at times perhaps a little heated and most assuredly fiery. But people engaged in debate remind all of us how important sound public policy is for our society and for our prosperity. Albertans will figure this one out. The panel will have several engagement sessions and discussions. We are developing a workbook that will be available online and in hard copy. It will give an overview of the report's findings, a section for people to provide feedback, as well as open-ended sections for their thoughts. So after listening and reading submissions from Albertans and other experts, And thinking it through carefully, we will deliver a report with recommendations based on what we heard. All of this will be rolled out in the next few weeks. But in the meantime, we encourage Albertans to read the report, go online to the website that you'll find, and start the conversation with facts, not with fear, but with facts in hand. Joining the panel are two fellow Albertans for whom I have a very high regard. Mary Ritchie of Edmonton has a depth of experience in corporate governance and pension oversight, including her service as Alberta's first nominee to serve on the board of directors of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board. Dr. Moyne Yaya brings valuable legal and economics experience along with his contributions as a member of the Fair Deal panel. To conclude, let me say my fellow panelists and I look forward to talking with Albertans and hearing from them on the prospect of an Alberta pension plan. Thanks very much we'll
3: now head into the media Q&A. We're going to start off with questions in the room here. I ask for one question, one follow-up from each outlet if you want to line up at the mic here in the room, and then we'll head over to the phones for some questions. And we'll start off with the first person at the mic.
4: Good morning, Nigel Hannaford from the Western Standard. Madam Premier, uh, $334 billion is a Considerable sum. To what degree, if any, could this proposal be a bargaining chip in Alberta's ongoing— we'll call them discussions—with the federal government over other matters?
0: Our sole interest in releasing this report is so that Albertans can see how they would benefit if we had an Alberta pension plan. That's it. Uh, we want to—we want to be able to have. Our businesses, our pensioners, and those who are employed right now paying premiums know just how much they would be able to save. We know from the fair deal panel that uh, we have an imbalance in confederation. It's part of the reason there was a 62% vote on the equalization referendum. And unfortunately, that was ignored by the federal government. This is an area which is very clearly defined that a province has the right to offer pensions. We have a framework for how we would be able to set up our own pension. And we've got a formula for how uh, we would be able to do the transfer of assets. So this is just a very factual report so that we can give it to Albertans. And they'll give us feedback on whether they want to proceed. If uh, they give the indication to the panel that they want a referendum, that's what we'll do.
4: Thank you. Uh, Many people would fear that um, non-economic considerations might influence investments, decisions in an Alberta pension plan. Who would set the investment strategy for a pension plan and what guidelines would you yourself recommend to it
0: Well, I would say that that's maybe getting a bit ahead because I think you heard Minister Horner say there are many options, including leaving the management with the existing CPP IB Investment Board or setting up uh, a separate service provider. There's a whole range of options. And I would leave it to the panel to put that on their list of things to consult on and then come back and and give us some advice on that. But I, I think the first step is for people to understand that there could be a savings of premiums up to 4, 1425 per worker, 1425 per employee, as well as be able to give a substantial uh, benefit increase to our seniors. So those are the things that I, I think are compelling. And uh, if we get to a point where Albertans tell us that they want to go to a referendum, they will also will also likely have a better idea of which direction they want to go on that. That's not determined at the moment. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
3: And thank you. And Jonathan, I just wanted to get through one outlet each, if uh, you didn't mind going to the back, and then we'll take one from each outlet, and then we'll come back to you. Thanks.
5: Good morning, Premier, Minister, Mr. Dinning. Um, I wanted to ask you about the amount. We're talking about more than 50% of the fund. It is based on a formula that looks at what Alberta's situation would be like if Alberta never joined CPP about 55 years ago. Is that a realistic calculation. Is the amount realistic at all when we're talking about half CPP? Well,
0: I would say I know it's been characterized that way, but I don't think that's accurate. And I'll turn it over to Nate Horner to describe. My understanding is the formula has been updated twice, once in 1987 and most recently in 2019. And so it's the most recent, I mean, clearly if the formula has been updated as recently as 2019, it was contemplated that a province may want to consider going its own way with its own pension plan and that they would have put the rules in place to make sure that it was practical. So I'll I'll turn it over to Minister Horner to comment on that.
1: Uh, Thank you, Premier. You you answered that very well. I don't know if I have much, much more to add, but I'd say that that is correct. Uh, There's always been uh, exit formula since inception in 1966. Uh, It was changed in uh, 97 when the plan was modified uh, and changed from a pay-as-you-go to a modified pay-as-you-go, specifically to incorporate uh, the net investment income, which previously wasn't really a concern. They could only invest in uh, government bonds uh, and and the like because it was basically cash in, cash out. Uh, And then it was changed again uh, in 2019 under our current government uh, to add in the additional uh, CPP components to the exit formula. So we're uh, using the best information we have. That's what LifeWorks has used. And we stand by the validity of, you know, their interpretation and methodology.
5: Okay, when you talk about it, when you talk about it to the general public or the rest of Canada, you are talking about Alberta being due more than 50% of what is in CPP now. Does that, does that square as a message to Albertans or to the rest of the country at all, despite what you're saying about the formula?
1: Well, I think, I think what's important here is that we have that conversation with Albertans first. That's how we, that's how we started on this endeavor. Uh, obviously, the report is compelling. So we want to have that conversation with Albertans. A little history, if you go back into the CPP and look at it over time, Albertans have had uh, roughly that number since 1997. Um, if, you, if you look at the over time, uh, there was a divergence from the other provinces in the early to mid-80s, and by 1997, it showed that we were uh, entitled to 49% of that asset pool so it uh stands to reason that that number has has held uh as more investment income has has come into play
6: good uh good morning uh premier smith you know we often think of this in the firewall uh letter expressed in these terms uh that this is a way of sticking it to ottawa this this in fact sticks it to residents of every province that doesn't start with the letter q what do you say to those people in Or your fellow premiers in the provinces or the people who look at this and see that this would cost us more. We would have to pay more premium, higher premiums, if Alberta took half of its assets pool and all of its payers out.
0: Well, I I would hope people would develop an understanding of how difficult it is when you've got a small population province like Alberta being asked to subsidize the rest of the country, as we do on so many programs we have 4.4 million people and we're being asked to pay for a program that covers 37 million people so the if we had our own program of course the savings for us would be substantial uh, fourteen twenty-five per worker, fourteen twenty-five per employer, but the cost associated with that for the rest of the country would actually be quite modest. Uh, I think the calculation in the report says hundred and seventy-five dollar increase per employee and per employee employer and employee. So th- this is the the issue that that we have always had in Alberta <laughs> is that many of these federal programs are stacked against us, and this one I think shows how dramatically stacked against. Albertans, it is, and why it's impacting our seniors. They could have higher benefits. It's impacting our workers. They could have lower premiums. Um, it's impacting our employee, employers. They would be able to have savings that would allow them to invest back in their business. That's what we've got to be, um, that's what we're helping to, to educate the rest of the country on. That this is the reason why Albertans have been frustrated, why the Fair Deal panel was created in the first place, why there was an equalization referendum that got 62% support, is that we, we want to have a, a better, Constructive relationship with uh, the rest of the country, and this begins the conversation.
6: And a question for Mr. Dinning, if I could, please. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> You've—I uh, well, mean, you don't have to answer. I guess you don't want to. But you—you uh, you spent years as Alberta Treasurer implementing the current CPP system, not an Alberta-only pension plan. You have previously called this simply unrealistic. You ran against uh, Ted Morton who uh, promised this and decidedly did not propose such a plan. Now you call it an intriguing opportunity. What to you makes this an intriguing opportunity now that it wasn't in your, you know, 30 some years hence of public service?
2: Well, first of all, uh, the ability to change your mind shows that you have one. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I would say that it's intriguing because you don't you don't get many big gnarly public policy issues like this uh, that that don't co- that come along very infrequently, and I think this uh, that potentially and I'm, I'm not the I'm not the judge. Albertans will be the jury on on this decision as to whether we go ahead with an Alberta pension plan in Alberta. But um, I think it's, it could be a game changer for the financial sector in this province to have that kind of, of weight in, international, in investment markets, both locally, nationally, and internationally. And that, uh, that to not bring this forward, to have it discussed among Albertans, I think would be a, a, a missed opportunity.
3: Hi there. Uh, quick question about the the costs and and the savings. Uh, we
1: talk about that this could save up to five billion dollars in the first year. How how does that look? Given there are some substantial costs to uh, establish the program, if this is the route Alberta takes. Sure. Thank thank you for the question. Yeah, as the report uh, clearly outlines, uh, depending on the path Albertans uh, choose, if they do choose to proceed uh the The initial startup cost could be anywhere from one hundred and seventy five million to two point two billion. That depends on if you're starting from scratch or using existing service providers. Uh, to put that in context of what this means for the the Alberta economy, albertans uh, as a whole, the fourteen hundred and twenty five dollar uh, increase in paychecks and savings for our businesses that's what equates to the five billion annually. So that would stay in our economy and uh, would absolutely supercharge one of the hottest economies in North America. And I guess, you know, this would still require, if it all goes through Alberta and say they would like something like this, it would still require some negotiation, of course, with Ottawa to set something like this up. How open do you feel the federal government would be to discuss this, given we're talking about a pretty substantial chunk of the assets in CPP? I'm definitely not willing to speculate uh, in any speculative questions at this time. I think uh, there will be many questions asked and answered in the days and weeks and months to follow. Uh, but for today, we're here to talk about the report and what it means for potentially for Albertans. Jonathan Bradley, Western Standard, you're announcing a
3: proposed Alberta parental pension right now, but you did not campaign on one during the election. Why did you not campaign on the issue during the election?
0: I campaigned on releasing the report. Um, the uh, we we knew that we were that we needed to get the updated numbers. The original report had been completed in 2021. With the passage of time, we had asked for an update. LifeMark told us they wouldn't be able to get it to us till May. I think we ultimately ended up getting it in uh, June or July. And so it was a it was a timing issue. But I made very clear anytime I was asked about it that I believed that this report needed to be released. Albertans needed to see the numbers for themselves. And if there was a decision at all to move forward on it, it would be done by referendum. I did campaign on that.
3: And I have a follow-up question. It's a little unrelated. So yesterday the one million march for children took place across Canada. What did you think of a one million march?
0: Well, look, I mean I I I'm sympathetic to to parents who want to preserve the innocence of their kids for as long as they can. and That's part of the reason our school act allows for parents to have the choice to have uh, their kids um, be exposed to topics of religion and sexuality at a pace that is their choice. That being said, we also know that sometimes these protests can get a little heated and it's unfortunate if people take their opposition too far and cross the line. And there are mechanisms in law to make sure that 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 gets addressed if that's the case. But, uh, you know, I look at what young kids must be thinking as they're watching these battles go on in the streets. And and that's what I'm concerned about, is I think every kid needs to feel safe and protected and needs to know that they're supported in their choices. So we're trying to find the right balance. We're trying to depoliticize it. Um, but I'm. Uh, but I, I respect the right of people when they have these really complex, difficult discussions to have that they do it in a civil way, and I'm supportive of that.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. We're going to head over to the phones now. We have time for a few more questions. If we have time, we'll come back to the room. Uh, operator, could you put through the first caller, please?
7: Kevin Orland, Bloomberg Now. Hi, uh, Premier. Thank you
6: for taking my question. Uh, How confident are you that Alberta would actually get $334
8: billion if it were to move ahead with this plan?
0: I can just accept the the law as it is, and this is the the way the formula is uh, is laid out in in the legislation. Uh, there's a, a pathway for us to be able to set up our own plans. We're just trying to be very factual about this. We we hired LifeMark, which incidentally was formerly Morneau chapelle So, if anything, we think that perhaps just by the nature of uh, that that uh, company, we think it probably is is conservative. If anything, so we're um, we feel like the. The numbers speak for themselves, and it will be up to Albertans to decide if they want to see an increase in their premium, in their benefits or a decrease in their premiums, and if they want us to go down this path. And if they do, we'll do it by referendum.
8: Uh, and on the referendum,
6: uh, is it a foregone conclusion that Alberta will hold a referendum on this, or is there something that your government could hear in the engagement period that would negate the need for a referendum
7: that would, would make you shelve the plan or... or, or, or Go past that
0: step. Well, there's two phases to this. And the phase that, that with the panel that, that Mr. Denning is leading, is to give us that advice and feedback on what they hear. So when they go and do their telephone town halls, the advice that we get on our surveys, the calls that we get into the MLA offices, we'll be monitoring all of that. And if there is um, an indication that people want this to go to a vote, we'll go to a vote. If there's a, an indication that Albertans don't want it to go to a vote, and they're happy with um, having the premiums stay as they are and the benefits stay as they are and they don't want to pursue it, well, that will come through pretty clearly. So I would say that uh, I, uh, my, my inclination and hope is that Albertans would uh, would want this to be put to a referendum, but I'm not going to prejudge that outcome. I'll, I'll wait and see what, what Mr. Dinning's Denning, panel hears and what we hear from our feedback.
3: Thank you. And, operator, could you put through the next caller, please?
8: John Braid, Calgary Herald. Hi there. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, there's only one person up there who might be on uh, Canada pension. Uh, that would be, probably be Jim. Um, I'm curious to know some things about how actual pensioners might feel about this. And one of them is, will people already on pension uh, be able to opt out of this plan? Should this plan take uh,
0: well, we want to hear what pensioners have to say as well. And one of the key aspects of, of uh, the the consultation we're doing is making sure people understand that it's portable. Uh, Quebec has worked that out with the CPP. We would be able to work that out with Quebec and the CPP. I'll turn it over to Nate Horner to talk about whether there is the ability to have a hybrid approach. My, my sense is that that isn't contemplated in the legislation, but I'll turn it over to Minister Horner.
1: Yeah, thank you, Don. It, it's our expectation that uh, you know there would be full portability. It would it would mimic the QPP uh, in in that way. So we would need recipro- reciprocal agreements with the CPP and the QPP, um, and all of that all of that math would be done. Uh, whether you're moving, um, you know, from Alberta, elsewhere, or from elsewhere to Alberta. Uh, you would still receive uh, one check but the combined information and benefit that that is that would be our expectation
8: uh, as a follow uh, there's another federal program too which is uh, hugely important to a lot of a lot of uh, seniors uh, especially low income and uh, that is uh, am I being heard? you're cutting in and out
1: we can still hear you, Don. Are you talking about old age security, yeah. Don?
8: Yeah, I wanted to ask about old age security, and that's a significant benefit, and it's actually grown quite a lot in the last few years, and a lot of low-income seniors I count on that. Uh, is that any part of this? And uh, there was earlier a suggestion that it might have to be adjusted somehow, raised lower. It wasn't clear. Is it any part of this, or just does it continue as uh, as
1: always? No, it, it's, it's a, a federal program that would continue as always. Uh, the only thing uh, to make note of would be if we did choose to increase the benefits, if that's how Albertans cho- uh, tell us to proceed, uh, that may have an implication on your taxable benefit. So it may, it may change the old age security number uh, slightly, uh, but only if we change the benefits. Other than that, the program will run as it, as it currently does.
3: Thank you. And operator, could you put through our next caller, please?
1: Lisa Johnson,
7: Post Media. Hi, thanks for taking my question. This is for uh, the Premier or the Minister. Um, If an Alberta plan starts off with $334 billion, um, and as the report says, it would have to be comparable, the benefits would have to be in some way comparable to the CPP, um, but According to the report, if I'm reading this correctly, Alberta could change the benefit and contribution structure in the future. So what's to stop Alberta's pension plan from changing significantly um, the benefits, diluting the benefits, if you don't get $334 billion uh, to start off with?
0: couple things. things. Uh, the CPP legislation says that you can't opt out unless you offer a comparable plan. So there is a guarantee that the benefits will stay the same. And we also are passing the the pension legislation or putting forward in the legislature pension legislation, which we hope will pass that will have a few guarantees. Number one, it will guarantee that benefits have to be equal or greater It'll guarantee that contributions have to be equal or smaller. It will guarantee as well that all of the assets that get transferred are used for the setup and operation of an Alberta pension plan, and it will also ensure that it is put to a referendum of the people. So it's uh, two levels of legislation that will ensure that our pensioners are
3: protected. And was there a follow-up there, Lisa? Yeah,
7: thanks. So when the he brought the teacher's pension under AIMCO's management, the argument was that uh, it was for economies, the economy of scale uh, to bring it under a larger pension fund manager. Uh, this would be the exact opposite of that. Has the UCP decided now that uh, economies of scale are not beneficial when it comes to pension plans? Uh,
1: thank you for the question. I think as the report uh, clearly outlines, it doesn't give a recommendation regarding uh, service providers or investment management groups. Uh, that's something that will have to be determined through the great work that Jim and the panel will take on. Uh, it is totally plausible that uh, the direction from uh, Albertans could be uh, to leave the investment management duties with CPPIB. Uh, that is definitely uh, not uh, not beyond uh, any anything that we can uh, consider right now. Uh, economies of scale are very important. Of course, I think if you look at this size of an asset transfer for a population of our size... It leads to uh, an asset over expenditure ratio of 28. Uh, currently the CPP is about uh, 8.4, I believe. So that that's a measure of the the sustainability uh, that an APP uh, could have at that size of the asset transfer.
3: Thank you, Lisa. And we're going to come back here for our last two questions in person. I see two reporters at the mic who haven't had the chance to ask questions. So we'll go with Henna, and then we'll finish off with Rick.
5: Hannah State City News. Um you told us all the right reasons to go for the Alberta pension plan, but nothing is perfect in this world. There will be some risks involved. Albertans need to know the risks. It would be great if you could elaborate a few of the risks with the Alberta pension plan.
1: Well, I think uh, nothing nothing is certain, and we we don't have a crystal ball. We're relying on the greatest, um, the, the work done by LifeWorks, you know, that is... Uh, is is valid uh we have multiple legal opinions that will will say that the through interpretation and methodology they bl- they believe the report is valid and with a sustainability ratio uh, like i just mentioned of 20 of 28 compared to eight uh, we think that this is a, um, a a very safe consideration that albertans should consider
5: if the contribution and the benefits are going to be equal to cpp then what benefits Albertans will reap out of the Alberta pension plan?
1: The report tries to make an apples-to-apples comparison in the best way that it can. So what it shows is that if the benefits stayed the same, the contribution rate would lower from 9.9 to 5.9. A um, little bit of nuance there. There's a, a minimum contribution rate of about 9.54 currently with CPP, and that same minimum contribution rate would be 591 on an alberta plan uh, they leave themselves a bit of a a wedge to ensure in investment growth so with that kind of capacity we know that we could increase benefits uh, we do, we do not currently know by how much or what that uh, you know give and take would be on the contribution rate uh, but i'm sure that's some of the the work that will be asked of, of jim in the panel maybe a deeper uh, actuarial analysis uh, but that's what we have from LifeWorks at this time, trying to make it as apples to apples as possible.
5: Thank
9: you, Rick Bell, Calgary's son. I'm having a flashback of about 33 years, so I'm going to ask a question of the Honorable Jim Denning. <laughs> and don't 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 tell any tales out of school here. Both
2: memory and nightmare.
9: <laughs> <laughs> um, we already have had a preview of some of the objections already, and you're you're going to go out throughout the countryside to hear objections. So, some of the objections already are: this is these are all made up numbers. This uh, you, Albertans are getting their pensions stolen. Uh, this is going to create great stability. The benefits are going to be less, et cetera. So, I'm going to sort of it's like spring training in baseball. I'm going to ask you the question, even though you're not on the road, when you hear those kind of concerns out there, those talking points, what kind of thing will you say as, uh, will will the panel say when they hear somebody come to the microphone and say those things?
2: Good good question. Probably a good uh, capsule or a capture of some of the concerns out there, Rick. Uh, So I think our job is to listen to those concerns and where the report tries to address those concerns. We we would say to citizen X uh, Ms. Brown, the, the, the report says this. That, that's what that's what we're going on. But if the concern remains a lasting concern for you or for your neighbors, I think that's something we have to say to the government that what what, and we maybe ha- we might have I don't know yet right. recommendations. How do you put a ring fence around that so that those concerns are properly addressed? And those will be some of the suggestions I, I I anticipate we'd have for the government when those are when those are raised.
9: Uh, 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 were you going to the microphone? Okay, go, go for it.
0: This is a reason why we are de-risking this through the legislation we're bringing in the fall. It's guarantee that the assets are going to be transferred for the purpose of operating and maintaining the APP, which is. More stable than the than the current status quo, based on the asset to liability ratio that our minister was discussing, that de-risks one part. Guaranteeing that the benefits will either be the same or higher, that also de-risks for seniors. Guaranteeing that the contributions will either be the same or lower, that de-risks it for workers and for employers. I, I know I understand that there is the. The the question for Albertans that we have to decide is, is it fair for our seniors and our workers and our employers to continue subsidizing the rest of Canada to this extent when we know that it's creating higher premiums? And we know that it's creating lower benefits. And it may well be that uh, people emotionally just feel like, yeah, I want to keep on subsidizing the rest of the country. Yeah, I think it's fair for 4.5 million Albertans to pay a larger share to support thirty-seven billion or 37 million. They, they might say that. But I, I think we have to make sure that we are dealing with a rational argument. There's an emotional argument to be had, of course, for why people don't want to make this change. But I would say that people do have to look at the actual numbers and they have to do an honest assessment. Let's not let the NDP fearmonger and scare people as they try to do throughout the campaign. Your pension is yours. Your pension is safe. It will be the same or higher. Your premiums will be the same or lower. The assets are there. You just have to decide whether or not you want to have a have, have this um, under the umbrella of the Alberta government and an Alberta pension plan or whether you want it to stay with the status quo. So I, I, I'm, I'm persuaded by the numbers. I think you can probably tell that. I, I uh, one, was one of the first briefings I got when I got elected was to say to the finance minister, what's going on here? Why do you feel so enthusiastic about this? I looked at the numbers too. I'm persuaded, but not everybody will be. And I'm not the one making this decision. I just thought that by looking at these numbers, they were so compelling I wondered what would happen a few years from now if I made the decision not to release this report and then have people saying, well, why didn't you tell us? Well, now you know. Now people know. Now people understand why it is that it's so compelling, but it's still going to be up to them if they think it's compelling enough to make this change. As as Mr. Dinning said, this is a a pretty monumental public policy decision for us to make. And that's why I believe it's got to be made by all Albertans.
9: And just the supplementary, Mr. Speaker uh to mr denning i think you mentioned and i'm not phrasing it correctly because i'm you know not smart enough to do these things um uh, about the advantage, this would be having that amount of money coming over would be an advantage i think you were saying to investment etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. could you just explain what you meant by that like local investment Oh yeah, yeah. After you, nobody, but, but yeah, because you, you. No, pension. I did.
2: I said, Rick, uh, this has the possibility of being a game changer. That that uh, to have an a uh, return of of up to three hundred and thirty plus billion dollars into the into a, an Alberta pension plan, not not the government of Alberta but to an Alberta pension plan investment board properly designed, properly constituted the infusion of a third of a trillion dollars into the investment sector in this province has a ripple effect from, from employment from the, and the ripple effect of others wanting to be here to provide services to that, to the, to the Alberta pension plan. Uh, I I haven't begun to think about the the potential good that could come from that, but I would hope that that, that would be one of the themes that we'll hear and discuss in the panel's uh, deliberations. Thank you. Thank
3: you, and that'll wrap up our press conference for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us.